blessed to have some special guests with us today. Today we have Dr. Stewart, Dr. Uh, Warmington. They are from Jamaica. They are missionaries from Jamaica. Uh, The last several years they have been ministering in Liberia. And uh, some of you will remember it's been about 10 years ago uh, they were here. Uh, and shared with us and went over to LaBelle Middle School and, and shared in one of the classes there. Um, and uh, we just are fortunate. They have been uh, using this time this summer to rest and to regroup, and they'll be going back uh, in a couple of weeks, going back to Liberia uh, to begin again. And again, I, let me just say... Um, Dr. Ron Long, let me just say that. Those of you that know Dr. Ron Long, he did this. He united all of us in ministry and introduced us to new partners. And uh, Dr. Long introduced us to Dr. Warmington and Dr. Stewart years ago. Um, and it's amazing to see the connections that Dr. Long uh, has made uh, through his ministry, and now he's with the Lord. Uh, we better pray for the Lord, because uh, I am sure Dr. Long has opinions. Um, and uh, But we are delighted. Uh, our ladies are going to share today uh, in this service. They will also be sharing during Sunday school, and that will be different. It's not the same thing. It will be a different presentation. And uh, so, welcome. Who's first? Okay, we've got a mic. Do you want to stand down there? or? Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Uh, where's the singer that just sang? Oh, I just want to, um, that's you? you just <laughs> I just want to say I love your voice. I love Thank the you. music. My daughter sent that song to me, and I love it. You know, when I when she was singing, I was just thinking about my daughter. Anyway, um, it's ten years later, and here I am. Thank God, I'm standing before you. I want to say good morning again, my brothers and sisters. Um, in year 2003, my pastor in Jamaica came to me and said, "There's a young lady in in the church that he wanted you to mentor," and so. I was a little, mm, you know, I'm working at the office Monday to Saturday, and I just want to just relax. But God would have it that I mentored her. And here we are together, Dr. Stewart and myself. Thank God. Um, We started to minister in Kingston, Jamaica. That's where the church was. That is our Jerusalem. And then he took us in the middle of the island in Mandeville, Manchester, where we met your lovely pastor. And, uh, and that, that's it. And God took us from Jamaica to um, West Africa, you know, um, sometime after. <laughs> that is in year 2006. I hope I get the dates right, right? <laughs> and uh, there we ministered, and we had many ministry. You know, um, we actually relocated. We spent the first five years um, allowing the Lord to show us things. And then in year 2011, he took us and and placed us in Liberia itself, where he said to go. And I'm telling you, 
the going wasn't easy because these are some of the roads when we are going further into the, 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 the jungle. It's, it's tough. I'm telling you, especially in the rainy season. Many times uh, the, the taxi that we took broke down and I had to walk for miles, um, Dr. Stewart and myself, to minister in the village. And there in the village, you know, we started off uh, ministering along the pastor of that church. And it took us about six months just to talk about sin. You know, because it's like they wasn't getting this concept of what sin is. And, but God would not let us give up. We just kept going. You know, we wanted to share that um, course they call Community Health Education and Evangelism. And um, there in the village, we were able to do um, so. But we noticed when we were doing Bible studies alongside the pastor, um, because, you know, you have the various tribal languages in that village where we spoke. It was Pele that they spoke. And uh, um, they weren't good at, the, you know, English is their language of education. So they speak a type of English that they call Liberian English. But, you know, they had all these books and, you know, religious books and so that they, they were carrying around, but they couldn't read it. You know, <laughs> and so we, although we didn't come with the intention of teaching them to read English um, as a second language and to write it and so forth, we spend the time. God said we had to do that. So as we are teaching, they can understand better. So there we are in the class teaching and um, along with the community health education and evangelism. And I'm telling you, it was, we spent three and a half years there. You know, when we came initially, the pastor said, how long will this take? And we said, we don't know because we really did not know how long God would have us there because we were just being obedient to him. You understand? But you know, there you can see one of the leaders because we eventually met with the leaders and, you know, he was so, he felt so sad because he, he said he didn't recognize the value that he had in us for his village because he recognized it when one evening he was walking around and he saw a light in one of the huts and he went and he looked and when he looked over, he saw a young lady there studying, studying, studying and reading and reading aloud and so, and she had never seen school before. And he said, whoa, imagine this young lady who have children because they call them children, you know, although these young people have children themselves, you know. Um, he said, she was reading and I couldn't believe what he was seeing. You know, it was very moving for him and moving for us when he shared that because he shared it in tears. You know, he was so happy to have us. You know, because when we came initially, they usually have a, what they call like a ceremony thing where they give cola nuts and so forth to welcome everyone. But as two women, they did not do that because they thought we didn't really have the value, you know, to give to their community. But as God worked, we, we didn't make that bother us. As God worked and did his business, so it is that he came to that realization that there is value in what God is doing. So, Mr. Stewart will just speak briefly on the victories that we faced. Um, good morning, everyone, again. 
um, it's really a blessing for both of us, Doc and I, to be here with you and to share a little bit of, of what God has been doing in us and through us and even in spite of us <laughs> over the past 10 years or so. Um, as Doc said, Dr. Warmington said, it's such a uh, almost, it, it really is a miracle to see how God can use us without a set timeline. We had an idea of how long we should be, but you know, as the Lord would have it, if we're going to be effective in the ministries which is called, he's called us, we can't go with our time, we have to go with his. And as Doc said, you know, being able to encourage and empower and strengthen our people, because we'll call them our people in, in the villages, was such an awesome thing for us to see. As Doc already mentioned, the community health education and evangelism program that we engaged in was such to the extent that at the end of the program, when we went to visit after after our time frame there, um, the pastor said, you know, there are certain things that have happened. One is that now my church is more solid in the word of God, so much so that whereas six months it took us to, to, give, to teach the concept of sin in a church plant that had been established for 17 years, now he, they, they were actually taking proper actions, disciplinary actions, with love and with grace, right? So not to have people pushed out of the church, but rather to embrace more fully persons who are really going contrary to how they ought to live. One. Two, and I'll just say this one, what a blessing it was for us to receive news that the Ministry of Health, that would be the local government health authority, had decided that they would use this particular village of Guayantai as a, as a model village because they had successfully been able to limit the spread, the rampant spread of malaria over a period of a year. Now, malaria, as we know, is endemic, <laughs> you know, in, in, in West Africa in general. And, but in putting in place the community health education uh, and evangelism techniques that we had suggested, then they were able to actually eradicate malaria in that village for that time frame. So they were selected as a model village by the government. And thirdly, the fact that the pastor was the pastor seemed in many people's minds to indicate that he's the only one who should evangelize and he's the only one who should go into the other villages. But now he had a team of evangelists, men and women who could come alongside him to go from village to village and multiply what they had learned in the gospel and through community health. So that was a real blessing for us, but we'll speak more about that during the Sunday, Sunday school. Yeah. Well, in terms of the school and orphanage, mm. The kids, they are the next generation. It's very important to understand what was happening to them. These kids were traumatized by the war that lasted for so long. And many of them did not go to school. In school, you know, there were, there were children that was like 12, and there, was, there were um, mothers and fathers there that had children that was in their 30s and so forth. Because within the 14, 20 years of the war, no school was taking place, and people wanted to learn. So you'll have, in the school, you'll have the kids, um, they are standing and they're hearing their pain. And right beside them is the person that killed their mother or their brother or their sister. Because everybody's in the same camp, you know? So it was really, really tough. But we went in to share the love of God. That wasn't easy. I'm telling you. Because these kids are pain, but they get the opportunity to share how they felt. You know? And um, Stuart will explain the blessing that God did in all of that. 
you know, at the orphanage, you know, um, they had spread acres and acres of land. But it's like they couldn't operate without. Not that the giving is not important, you know, but they have to learn to be able to do things for themselves as well. And if if the giving is not there, like somebody's giving you something, it's like they can't do anything. You know, so it was really tough. But what did God do with us there? Ms. Yes, with the schools, I want to explain a little bit more as Doc mentioned. We're talking about child soldiers. I think we've all heard about the child soldiers from the Charles Taylor era. And so we have these young people who are sitting in classes with persons who ravage their families, who ravage members of their tribe because everybody's put together. And so there was this strong, and, and I'm talking about in Christian schools as well as in the government schools. So we have young people because education was critical. Young people, older people who are sitting together in the same class in a, church, in a school that's established by a local church. And what was interesting is with, that all, with all of that, there was so much pain and angst and anger in the Christian school that it was mind-numbing for us as, we, as the Lord allowed us to, to enter in to see if we could um, help them to recapture the focus of the Christian school being established as a Christ-centered ministry and institution. And so we had to be counseling with many of these young men and young women. And not only that, thank God he allowed us with the teaching that we'd been engaged in over time to bring in mature men and women who could come and counsel these young people. Because in these schools you had persons who there was no Christian counseling, there was no pastor, there was no chaplain, no, no Christ-centeredness because it was, we'd moved away from the primary mandate of ministering Christ to trying to mitigate against the lack of education, basic education. We understand that's important, but we have to remember who we are as a Christian institution. So to be able to bring in men and women who are strong, maturing Christians to help counsel these young people was such a blessing for us to help turn around the ethos and the, the, the experiences of these young people so that they come to a more, uh, they could become more healthy, spiritually, mentally, and of course physically as, as they sought to grow and as we sought to mentor them to become valued Christian members of the society. As far as orphanages were concerned, as Doc mentioned, we're looking at institutions, again, Christian institutions that were established as orphanages, and we understand what an orphanage is all about, but they were established on large tracts of land that were not utilized effectively or even efficiently for food sustainability. And so, and we understand in our environment, it's elementary that we'd think that we should, since we have all this land, let's plant something. But people have become so dependent on the handouts that were coming from others. And of course, Gifts are always welcome and are always a blessing. But we also need to help people to see that God can see them and God can use you and your environment as he has placed you in to make a difference in your own environment as well as in those that you serve. And so, and that's why I was so interested in the ECHO ministry yesterday because it's so important to be able to inculcate in the mindsets of our people that God sees you and God can use you and God can empower you and he gives you the gifts that you need as long as we look first to him. And so to have our orphanage now become self-sustainable as far as food security is concerned, it's an ongoing process. It's not complete, but it's a process, a change of mind to help us to see how God can use us again and God can see us individually as well as collectively 
in all seriousness. And so we move on to the churches and the conferences. The challenge there was getting there. You see, I showed you before what the roads were like. These conferences are deep, 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 deep. I mean, miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away from us. And we have to, and they don't have the paved road. We have to get there. So in the rainy season, they said, oh, that must be pretty tough. But in the dry season, it's tough also. <laughs> the roads are tough, yes, and they are very filled with a lot of dirt. That is me there. <laughs> You know, I try to put on the glasses and put on this, but uh, look at my hair. It's just pure dirt. <laughs> I mean, but we, we strive. We said, God, I've brought us here to do something, and we are going to encourage the brothers and sisters in the various churches and the conferences. Now, when we, we go to the churches and the conferences, you know, as uh, women, they probably... They, 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 they didn't really see the values, you know? So anyway, they, as missionaries, they want to hear us speak and use the opportunity to send greetings, and they always, always speak about the love of God, always, because it's important that they understand this. And, you know, but we get the opportunity to speak to the ladies in the ladies' conferences, and we speak get the opportunity Ms. Stuart will share on that. Yeah, it's a blessing for us to speak in the ladies conferences and also in the generalized conferences. Now we all know what conferences pretty much are like, right? I mean, there's a collection of Christians who've come together to worship, to fellowship, to encourage, to be trained sometimes to be engaged with one another as we remind ourselves of who we are, the authority we have in Jesus Christ to be a light and light, a light and more light to the world at large. Now, for us, as Doc said, as 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 women, in, we, we understand our theology, and it, it was important for us to, to uphold that because missionaries are held to a high standard, and they're, they're held also, they're sort of looked at, oh, kind of thing, right? And so we had to remind them of who we are as, as women, as Baptist women, as, as women who love the Lord and who, who can be used of the Lord also all of us within our spheres of influence. Because remember, we're talking about Africa, you know, and there in some areas is a little bit of a uh, stronger uh, stance towards women not being as valued as they could be perhaps on the West. Right? I'm not talking about feminism now. I'm just talking about the, the partnership with men. Right? So to be able, though, to be asked to speak, to share, to to minister, in a sense, as missionaries was such an honor for us that we had to walk, but we had to walk very carefully and tread very carefully because we could easily take over, you know, because of we're missionaries. But as God would allow us, you know, and, and, and encourage us, our message as we shared with men and women, as Doc said, when we're in the mixed conferences, is always a, a message of encouragement and, and, and greetings from our brothers and sisters elsewhere. But also, we always were consistent and encouraged our men and women as they step forward in their Christian walk. Our message is consistent. The one is that we have to remember who God is. Who God is. The second is to remember who we are in him. The third is to remember that Jesus is coming again. And in view of that, how should we live? Who God is, 
just as we are supposed to be in him, Jesus is coming again. And in view of that, how now should we live? Always, consistently. And with that, to, to find out that we were asked more and more and more often, can you just come and share that encouragement to us? Even as we have our guest speakers from overseas and as, as we have guest speakers from Liberia, and even if we're in the, the women's group or the children's group or even ladies, can you just come and just remind our men, you know, and we'd sit with them and say, you know, remember who, who God is. Because we're in an environment that is, there, there is such stress and such, so many issues and so many concerns and so much tribalism and so much tradition that can overtake us. We have to remember who we are in Christ and that he is coming back. And therefore, how do we live? And so it was, it was always a genuine um, opportunity and a blessing for us to be able to impart these reminders of God's truth to our people. I want to share that as we had opportunities to share, um, we asked our pastor from Jamaica to come to help us. Um, uh, he's a graduate from Luther Rice, Reverend Dr. L. Lewis, who's the one in the blue that you see up there. He came to join us for an Easter conference and uh, Association of Independent Baptist Churches. And in sharing, he spoke so fully and so forcefully and so fulsomely that at the end of that conference, when an altar call was given, an altar call not for salvation, but for men first who would like to become part of a Bible school. They said, you know what? In view of they know Doc and I, and they know how God has helped us in our learning. And then they saw our pastor from Jamaica, and they thought, whoa, he's just so great. And then they said, you know what? We want to do more in terms of biblical education. And so they were encouraged to form a Bible school a Bible school. And so after our pastor spoke, they had a call and said, who would like to come forward? And maybe 40 young men came forward as young men, Christian young men, said, you know what? We want to learn more about the word. We want to, we want to, to become more empowered that we can now be multipliers of the gospel, share the gospel in other places. And then they said, okay, now these young men need wives. How many women want to come forward? Oh, uh, no. So a couple of girls came forward because, again, this is an environment where m many women are not really well educated. And so it was an opportunity for them to say, you know what, we want to learn more. We want to grow more in the Lord as well. So that was that was really fun. OK, non-formal theological um, training. That is Marion's baby. She's a teacher. <laughs> she is very good at what she does. And, um, you know, initially there was, you know, those pastors, they wanted to know so much. They wanted to learn more. They wanted to, to do things. And so they came to us as their missionaries and said, could you help us to know more? Could you teach us? So uh, Marion and I, as women, we decided that we're going to ask the Lord, what are we to do? You know, these people want to learn more. They want to do things, you know, for you, Lord. What should we do? Anyway, we, it, it happened that we were coming across to the West, and Marion went and spoke to Dr. Long and Dr. Flanagan, and they said there was this non-formal theological training course. Uh, Marion will tell you the name of it. I don't remember. And um, we could um, teach them in that way. And so... Um, we did just that. 
So we'll ask um, Dr. Gill to speak more on that. All right. So, um, and did Pastor Derry knows his program well. It's about to run long, as we all know. We're approaching. Dr. Flanagan is the president of Luther Rice um, Seminary, where I, I did my studies. And they advise us very, very well, as always, you know, that the same program that um, Pastor Deary knows, the Bible training for pastors and church leaders, BPC through BPCI um, program, we, we, we did the teacher training, and then we went back to Liberia, and we said, okay, um, we can do this for you, but we need to know how comfortable you are with us teaching you as women. And they said, well, um, Dr. Doc and Sister Marion, we're, you're not going to be teaching us in church. You will be in your home. We'll come to your house. We will sit with you. We just want to learn more. We want to become more strong. We saw your pastor, <laughs> you know, and how he, he, he was when he came to the conference. So um, with that, we said, okay, we, we started the program. And what we did is I shared with Pastor Deary, which was very important to us. I mean, we do know stuff, but there's a line that we were not prepared to cross, and that was in pastoral teaching, pastoral preaching, and um, doctrine. We wanted to have the men solid in, more solid in doctrine than from us. So, uh, again, we asked our pastor to come from Jamaica to, 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 to teach that, as well as a pastor who we met over time. He was the former president of the Liberia Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's a very solid teacher as well. And so he came up to the bush to teach our men and women. And they were so blessed. They were so blessed. They said, the fact that you would get these, they said, big, big men, <laughs> you know, to come to teach us indicates that you see us here. You know, that you, you have a vision for us as men from Africa who can share the gospel and multiply in our ministries. And they got it. And we were so blessed to just have been conduits of this truth and this fact to them. We did have a graduation ceremony because as I shared with Pastor Jerry, some, many started, but you know, it always happens. As time goes by, people drop off, and people are like, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard. But at the end of the day, we had our graduation ceremony, and for that, we invited another doctor, uh, 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 PhD, um, pastor from the U.S. to come and join us for the ceremony for that. You know, he was our convocation speaker. Um, but the church gathered together, our graduates, the, the uh, three former core graduates there in the front, and they're praying um, as they just thank God for taking them through this four-and-a-half-year program. When we go back, we will be teaching them to teach that program themselves so they can go forward now and do further multiplication. It's all about multiplication. So we're looking at missionary training. I mean, <laughs> where does that come in? You have the NGOs. Um, they... They do that part that talks about um, giving in terms of um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, when I was in prison and so forth. But you can do all of that. But if Christ is not a part of it, it's like nothing. It's very important to have Christ. Because they are looking at us, you know, and they are saying, yo, you guys are so successful in what you do. Could you come and do some seminar with us and tell us what makes it that you're so successful? And we have to let them know what the, the piece that is missing, which is Jesus Christ. And then you, you have the missionaries. You have some missionaries that would come, and all they talk about is uh, um, they evangelize. But there is no discipleship. I'm telling you, you've got to spend time and to explain to the people how this 
being a child of God is demonstrated. You see, so we'd spend time and we, uh, Miss Pierce would talk about because she's really the teacher. I'm, I'm there with her, but she does the teaching. Right. God is setting me up. <laughs> anyway, um, in a not a good way. Um, missionary training. Now, it, it's important for us to fellowship together as missionaries in the field because some of us have one technique, others have other techniques, and it all depends on our character, who we are, and how we've been trained, and also the ministries even that we're engaged in. But at the end of the day, as Doc said, it, we have to always remember to focus on Christ. We ha also must remember that we're in environments where it's very, 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 very difficult, and it's easy to be overcome by the needs, the physical needs. It's very easy. When you see people sick and you see people dying, you see people hungry, of course you cannot help but want to supply and help those needs. That's essential. But we must always remember that no matter what, Christ must be in the reason and the motivation and the empowerment for these very things. And so this is what it's all about, really. We try to encourage our people not to forget the reason why we're there, you know, which is to help men and women come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and then themselves be empowered in him to do what he would have them do, which is go forth themselves and share the gospel. But yes, it cannot only be about merely evangelism, which is the first step. We have to talk about how we should live, which also in includes all of these tangible, physical needs ad being addressed. It's, it's a difficult balance to make because, as I said, you can, you, this need is there, and you need to fulfill the need if you're going to be able to effectively minister to someone but we must not forget the ministry of the gospel, right? I, I remember I, said, I, I listened to a young man, a Liberian, and he said, you know, he was very proud of himself. He said, you know, I went and I sat down. Um, I was waiting for someone to pick me up from some location in the bush. And he said, I sat down and I saw this man, and he, he came as a vagrant, and he came up to this woman in this cook shop, and he said, he said, um, I need some, something to eat. Can you give me something to eat? And the lady said, well, it costs like two Liberian dollars. And he said, well, I don't have that. He said, she said, I can't help you. So he said, he sat down, he saw the man, and uh, the man came and sat down beside him. And he was like, oh, I'm so hungry. And this young man said, well, God says, man must not live by bread alone. And I thought, you really said that to him? <laughs> Did you have any money? He said, I had the money, but I had to tell him that, you know, man should not live by bread alone. That's not the attitude we're talking about. Right? We, I had to really kind of help him to rethink that. It's not about that. We know that people have needs, and they need to be met. At the same time, we must not forget the need for the gospel. That's all we're saying. And so we had to help and guide our, some of our missionary colleagues. Just remember, even as we are doing this physical thing, that we must remember Christ. And even as we're doing Christ, we must remember the physical thing as well. So we have to try to strike the balance. Um, it's such a blessing, yes, to be able to ask but by m even non-governmental non institutions that are non-Christian who come and ask us, can you help us to do what you do, in a sense? Because it's an opportunity for us to share the gospel and help them to see that Christ is a whole focus. Christ is the reason why we do what we do. That's the energy. And so um, we are wrapping up now. The hospital. God um, organized for us to be spread over Liberia. We had um, close to where we live, Phoebe Hospital, which is the referral hospital um, close to where we are. And then yeah, he took us further into the bush to a hospital in Ganta, 
that they um, in uh, Nimba, that's the name of the county, where you have a, a, a Christian hospital there. And then he took us into town where you have Elwa, where that is another hospital. Now, we have to remember that these hospitals are a problem with resources. They hardly have any doctors. And when you're talking about instruments, I mean, please, if you're going there, you've got to know medicine because you, you probably only have a few blood tests to deal with, and then you're, you're probably the only doctor there, and everybody's looking to you. So you've got to know what, what you're doing because, I mean, oh, please. <laughs> uh, this was some serious challenge. When it comes to blood tests, they'll have the malaria test, and they probably have what they call pack cells that you have to uh, work out the maths for that to get what the HB is, which is the strength of the blood and so forth. And then uh, we, these patients are coming in with all type of disease. And, you know, um, it, the, 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 you know, persons would say, every disease is like it's just malaria. And it's not necessarily just malaria. You know, there are sometimes it's malaria plus other complications and so forth. But the point I'm trying to make, the challenge is the resources are very, very poor and limited, you know. And um, so, and each of the hospitals has their own culture. So you can't just go inside there and say, I'm going to teach this and I'm going to teach you this and blah, blah. You've got to sit with the people. You've got to understand them. You understand? And so as uh, Dr. Stewart and myself goes into the hospital, we, we, we sit because one of the drawbacks with the hospital at Christian hospitals, they, they don't have any value for the patient or even their colleagues. No value at all. You know, so we'd sit and we'd see patients and we'd show them what value looks like. You know, and even when I go along, uh, working alongside with the surgeons and so forth, you know, they'd start, they'd get the value and they start praying. They start closing the operation doors when first time it was just opening and just open to allow you to come and pass through the You know, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I'd go in with, with in the doctor's office and uh, I mean with the doctor's meeting and we, I'd, I'd, I'd teach them how to present, by presenting myself, you know, on topics. You know, so they, they can learn how to present. And um, Dr. Um, Stewart would also, she, you know, she's very good at um, um, ethics, medical ethics, uh, law and medical ethics. That's our baby. And she'd teach them and so forth. Oh, and she'd evangelize. Oh, you'd have patients waiting to see when she'd go out there and she'd share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> Just something else. And there she is, and she's showing the value of patients. This young man came in and he was in a motor vehicle accident and he, you know, they worked on his brain and so forth. And, uh, you know, even the babies um, would see, um, be ministered to because you have to show, demonstrate to those around you because you're looking. You're looking and seeing everything that you're doing. You understand? So you show value. Yeah, so at the end of each time we're in the hospitals, and this is a, si a l extended period because we're, we're showing men and women how they ought to live, how they ought as Christian nurses, Christian doctors, or professing Christian nurses and doctors, how we ought to minister to the people who come to, to our facilities as a Christian institution. 
And so we always had a formalized program at the end of which we'd have a gradu another graduation ceremony. Are we saying people need to graduate and be, oh, we have to have a certificate to show we're Christians? No. We're saying that it's, it's a representative of their own accountability. You have had the exposure. You have been reminded. You have been coached. You have been mentored. And this is to attest to that. And when you see that every day, you are reminded, just like it's not the similar thing, it's the same thing, but it's a reminder to you of your standing in this institution, your standing in the community. As a Christian, people are looking at you with an expectation of how you should be, how we should be as an institution, as individuals. Because after all, what, what, what's the point of all this? You've, you've heard us briefly say that we have been being at many Christian institutions we have been doing many, 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 many ministries, and we found that some, in many instances, our problems are with our Christian institutions that were established back in the day as ministries, as missionary outposts, but the, we've, we've wandered away from that focus, and we've gone to a place that is not God-honoring. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that we do what we do? And I will say again, it goes right back to what Jesus himself said. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on this earth? Will he find faith on this earth? Will we be found faithful when he returns? God, if, if he returns when we're, we're alive. But if not, when we come before him, will we be found faithful? You know, will we be found faithful? And so that is the whole point. Jesus is coming again. And at the end of the day, we have to be reminded that the gospel changes people. It's not just an intellectual assent to a belief system. I sound very theological, right? <laughs> it, it is how we are supposed to live. The gospel changes us. And when we're in environments where we feel oppressed and uh, uh, stressed because of the gospel, that's not such a bad thing because we're demonstrating the gospel in our lives. If people are persecuting us and challenging us and stressing us and hating us because of who we are. For Doc and I, I'll summarize it with this one verse, which is such a blessing to me always, Psalm 118, 23, that everything the Lord has allowed us to do and enable us to do, and all that we've seen in terms of the work that has been manifest in the men and women and children that we've been allowed to minister, it is really the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Thank you. As they have shared with us today, just a glimpse of what the Lord is doing. One of the things I hope that you have seen is obedience, being obedient to the Lord when the Lord speaks to you. A lot of times, and I'm sure even with Dr. Warmerton and Dr. Stewart, there were times, Lord, how are we going to do this? Uh, but the, when we are obedient, the Lord supplies and the Lord gives us those things that we need. So this morning as we conclude this part of the service, may we pray, Lord, we know that you are faithful, but Lord, how do you want me to act, to be obedient if it's reaching people here in our own community, whatever that might be, uh, are, are we are we, are we tapping in? God is faithful, isn't he? Amen? God is faithful. But do we really believe that? 
Are we willing to say, God, I know you're faithful, and Lord, whatever you called me to do, I know you'll be there. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for these that have shared. I ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we as we sing, and Lord, as we commit to you. Lord, we are grateful, Lord, for your faithfulness. And Lord, that you would show us what you want to do in our lives. Lord, we ask this in your son's name. Amen.